If we haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. Uh, We're right in the middle of this series that we're calling Head and Heart. Head and Heart. Why Head and Heart? Uh, Because really this journey for us is about aligning our head and our heart. I think churches are really good at providing us information about who God is. We're really good at creating educational settings where we get a lot of information. And those things are good, like we don't want to downplay those things. But a lot of times what we really need in life is we need to align our head and we need to align our heart. It's so much bigger than just information. It's also this journey that we're on is about a life of transformation. And so today we want to step into really what does it look like to have a healthy prayer life? What does it look like to align our head and our heart in prayer? I love what Jesus says. Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. That we align our spirit, right? We align our hearts with truth, with our head. And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's to love God with all of your head and all of your heart. And when those things align, that's when we begin to connect to God on that soul level. Quick moment of confession. Have any of you in this room felt like prayer was a burden? And a moment of honesty. I know I have. Right? It can just feel like Man, (laughs) I I feel like prayer a lot of times is like flossing, right? You laugh because it's true. Because we know we should do it. We know it's good for us. We know it's going to make us healthier. But we just don't do it unless we're about to go to the dentist, right? Oh, God, please don't let me have any cavities, right? But did you know that prayer... Like, it, it, can, it can change your heart, it can change your soul, but prayer, it actually makes you a healthier person. It makes our brains healthier. So they've done studies about what makes a healthy brain, and in these studies, they find the top three things to make your brain healthier is one, read books, and who wants to do that, right? Right? The second thing is diet and exercise, even worse, right? But the third thing that's on par with reading books and diet and exercise is prayer and meditation. It actually makes our brain stronger and makes our brain healthier. And so I've been doing a little bit of research into this this week because what they find is that people who pray, their blood pressure gets lower. They see reduced stress right? We have better focus. We have more empathy, more compassion, which means that we don't become crotchety old men, right? The senile old guy down the block who yells at all the kids in his yard, right? Prayer and meditation can help you and prevent you from becoming that person. So the thing with the brain, right? We have some pictures of the brain here. And so the brain, what it does when you pray and when you meditate it strengthens and it thickens a part of your brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. 
You can put that picture up. Awesome. It's that blue area. And so that sits right between your limbic system, which is just below, and your neocortex, which is just above, right? And so it strengthens and thickens the anterior cingulate cortex, and that's the part of your brain that gives compassion and empathy. The neocortex right below that, that's our instinctual mind. That's the mind that when we feel fear, when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're stressed out, when we're anxious, that's the part of the brain that gets activated. Right? The neocortex just above it, it's the most human part of our brain. So what prayer does is it strengthens that part of your mind so that you can be more compassionate, more empathetic in stressful situations. It also strengthens the front of your brain, right? The prefrontal cortex, which is where your focus, your agency comes from, to help you focus better about life. And what they find is that if you just pray for 15 minutes a day, you will see visible results. And people who pray 30 times a day, that gets magnified. It becomes measurable. People who pray for 30 minutes a day, six days a week, you can see measurable results and the health of their mind, and the health of their brain. But 30 minutes a day, who's got time for that? Am I right? Our days are busy. Our days are full. Not many of us could say, I have 30 minutes to spend on prayer. And I think a lot of that is the way of what we think in the Western world in the 21st century about what prayer is. Because I think a lot of us, when we think about prayer, we think about talking. We think about asking God for things. We think about creating this to-do list, all the things that I want and need, and all the things my family members want and need, and all the things that the world needs. And so it just becomes this list this, that we just dump on God, like, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. And the thing is that I've been thinking about a lot is, I wonder if how many of our prayers are coming from uh, the part of our brain, the... Uh, the limbic system, where it's just that instinctual part. It's just that fear. It's just that anxiety. And I wonder how many of our prayers are coming from that place. And so I think that there's a healthier way for us to look at prayer. And I think that there's a healthier way for us to step into prayer. And so what we want to do, what I want to do today is, is I want to walk us through what I think is a really healthy rhythm of prayer. And we want to give you a few different ways that you can walk away from today and engage God with prayer. And what those three things that we're really going to step into today is first is we're going to talk about some of the historical prayers. See, because the reality is that uh, God's people have been writing down prayers for thousands and thousands of years. Right, the Psalms. The Psalms is basically a list of prayers and songs. And Jesus would have prayed prayers like this, Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Jesus would have prayed that prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, and the prayers. The prayers. 
What are the prayers? The prayers are devoting themselves to the Psalms, devoting themselves to the prayer that Jesus taught them to pray that we know is the Lord's Prayer. And since then, Jesus' church has been writing down prayers uh, for hundreds and thousands of years. See, the truth is, some of these historical prayers, they've stood the test of time. They've transcended time, and they're still present, and they're still relevant, and they're still life-changing today. And there can be a lot of beauty in these things and these prayers. But the reality is that a lot of us were very knee-jerk reaction against ritual. Because if you're like me, maybe you grew up in a church that was stuffy. Maybe you grew up in a church where you're sitting there in the pew, and then all of a sudden everyone around you starts like reciting words together, and you're looking around like, how do you guys know what to say? Like, where's the projector or where's the book that is telling you what to say and when to say it? Because the thing about some of these prayers, the thing about rituals is if they just stay in your head, they become empty. They become these just empty rituals that lose all meaning. But when you let these prayers begin to shape your heart, it changes everything about these prayers. And I wonder if sometimes we jump into with our prayers too quickly, God, I think the world needs this, or God, I think I need this, or God, I think that person needs this. I wonder if we step into that a little bit too quickly before we've let God shape our hearts. And so what I want us to do is we're going to pray a prayer together. And this prayer, it's called the Peace Prayer of St. Francis. Uh, And St. Francis of Assisi did not write this prayer. They actually found it on a statue of him in France, and they uh, attributed it to him, um, when in fact he didn't write it, but then all of a sudden it became really popular and they couldn't change the name of it. But it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, and I remember the first time I heard this prayer, it, it, there's a phrase in it that kind of messed with me a little bit because I didn't understand it. Because that's the thing about sometimes when you read some of these historical prayers is there's language that we don't use in everyday life. So one of the lines was, Oh, divine master. And I was like, what am I, like, a Jedi Knight, like, giving allegiance to a Sith Lord or something? Right? Because it feels strange. It's not language that we would use. But when I began to realize and think about the implications of what that word is, when I began to let that phrase invade my heart, that God would be my divine master, that he would be the divine master of my life, it changed the meaning for me. It became meaningful. So what I want you to do is I I would love for everyone to stand. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Here we go. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. Let's go back to the beginning. I want to pray that again. 
And this time I want us to slow down. This time what I want us to do is instead of saying it with a normal voice, I want us to say it with a whisper. I want us to slowly and say, and don't worry so much about being in unison, but just follow along and allow this to be a whisper. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Let's read it one last time. And this time, just pray it quietly to yourself. Joshua 1.8 Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 1, 1-3 Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But in his delight... But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Philippians chapter 4 says these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, in our Western church, we pray by talking. So we do. It's, we experience so many things through language. I remember when I was in college, I uh, met this guy. He was probably about four or five rooms down from me in the dorm. And we started to become good friends. And I remember one day, 
I walked in his room, and he was at his desk, like on the computer doing homework and something. So I didn't say anything. I just sat down, turned on the TV, and was watching TV, and probably sat there for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And he looked over at me, and he said, dinner? And I said, yeah, let's go. And we went to dinner. And on the way to dinner, he said something to me that has stuck with me all these years. He said, you know how I know we're going to be good friends? I said, how? He said, you came in. We didn't even need to say hello. Like, we didn't even need to talk. We kind of got past that sort of awkward phase, and we were comfortable enough to sit in the same room and not have to say anything. We just wanted to be in the same room together. That's how I know we're going to be good friends. How often do we do that with our faith? How often do we do that with God? Can we? Can we? Man, I believe that we can. See, and I believe that we are afraid of stillness. We're afraid of silence because a lot of times when we get still or we get quiet, uh, what happens is our anxieties, our fears, our to-do lists begin to surface. It's the first thing that sort of begins to pop into our heads. And so it's a lot easier just to keep moving so that we don't have to deal with a lot of those things. See, we like to avoid silence. We avoid those things because it's hard for us to experience. But I believe when we are moving so fast and we don't take moments to slow down, we're really harming our spiritual life. We're harming our physical life. It's taking a toll on our brains. It's taking a toll on our hearts. It's taking a toll on our souls. So it's really interesting. When Buddhists pray, it actually activates the visual cortex of their brain, which is found in the occipital lobe, which is in the back of your head. Right? But when Westerners pray, like a Western nun or a Western monk, when they map their brains, it's all coming from the left temporal lobe which is where we find our language. It's where our language comes from because typically we pray with words, we pray with language, and Buddhists typically meditate with images. Have you ever prayed for a decent amount of time or maybe this has happened to you here in this room where you close your eyes and you pray or you close your eyes and you sing and you worship and when you open your eyes, it's almost jarring Because it kind of feels like you left the space. It kind of feels like you went somewhere else for a moment in time. And it's almost jarring coming back from that. It's almost hard coming back from that sometimes. And that's because that's literally something that's happening in your brain. So your parietal lobe, kind of at the top of your head in the back, that's what gives you a sense of your space, gives you a sense of uh, your proximity of where you exist at in this room. And what they find is that people who pray often and people who pray deeply, the parietal lobe goes dark. So in a sense, in a very real sense, our brains are telling us we're going somewhere else. It kind of goes dark. And the interesting thing about a lot of this brain science with prayer and a lot of the brain science with meditation is I'd love to say that only prayers to Jesus or only prayers to God are the ones that make our brain stronger or make our brain healthier. Simply, that's not what the science says. 
It really says that no matter who you pray to and how you meditate, it actually helps uh, and increases and makes a healthier brain. And now it's easy to hear something like that and maybe feel a little twinge of fear. But man, I, when I hear that, that excites me. The reason why it excites me is because that's the way that God designed us. Right? That when God designed us, he designed us for prayer. He designed us for slowing down. And that when we step into these things, the way that he designed your body is to make you a healthier person when you step into these things, when you step into prayer regularly. But it's not just good for your head. It's not just good for your mind. It's good for your heart. It's good for your soul. And I've found one of the most helpful things for me and my prayer life is not coming to God with my to-do list, not coming to God with all these things that I have to do, but just simply trying to find the place where I'm sitting in the presence of God. Getting to the place, getting past my fears, getting past my anxieties, getting past my to-do list, a lot of times what helps me do that is some of those historical prayers or praying through the Psalms is getting past those things, getting past those anxieties, and then simply trying to find a place of rest. And so there's been this practice in the church for 2,000 years almost of contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer where really our desire is silence. And our desire in that silence is to rest and to be aware of the presence of God. And then with that awareness of the presence of God is having the is, is, it's not just sitting in the presence, but being aware that God's spirit can move in your life, that God's spirit can move in your heart, in your mind, in your head, in your heart. I love that verse in Psalm chapter one, verse two and three. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. See, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And if you've been around the church, a lot of times that word meditate, it gets a bad, bad rap. Because maybe you've seen some really unhealthy examples of meditation. What does it look like for us to step into that, to meditate on his law, to meditate on the things that God wants us to do, to meditate on the words of God day and night? Can we do that? Can we step into that? I believe we can, and I believe that Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. And this, in Matthew chapter 6, what I'm about to read, is the, is the part of scripture that comes right before when Jesus gave his disciples the Lord's Prayer. So these are the words that he speaks to his disciples right before he gives them the Lord's Prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, 
Do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he goes on to say, this then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, I believe that when Jesus is talking about do not keep babbling like the pagans, I wonder how often that is how we pray. So a pagan form of prayer is to try to pray to God to manipulate what you want. You pray for rain. You pray for crops. You pray for, your, for a better job. You pray for more money. You pray for better health. You pray for all these things based on your fears, based on those, that part of your brain that is just purely instinctual. And Jesus is inviting us into a new form of prayer a better form of prayer. And so what I want to do is I want us to step into what it could look like for us to simply sit and for us to sort of be aware of God's presence. And so what I want to invite you into is in your seats is if you would just close your eyes and if you would just get comfortable and you would put Maybe your back against the backrest or lean forward, whatever is comfortable for you. Put both feet on the floor. Put your hands in your lap and open your palms up towards the ceiling. Jesus, we open our hands, we open our hearts, we open our mind to you. Focus on the fact that you're breathing. What a gift that you've been given. That life is literally flowing through your lungs. That oxygen is being absorbed from the air into your lungs. And that oxygen is being, conver- is being absorbed into your bloodstream and it's going to your heart And from your heart, it is exploding out to your entire body. And that that oxygen that you're breathing right now, it's headed from your heart and it's going through your veins up into your mind. This oxygen that you are breathing, this gift of life that you've been given, your heart is keeping your head alive. Jesus, we thank you for breath. Yahweh God, we thank you for breathing the breath of life into the first man. And we thank you that you are in every breath that we take. Be still 
and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know Be still. Be. And as we sit here, I want us to ponder something. Jesus says where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be present. How is Jesus present in this moment? What does that mean? If Jesus was in this room right now, sitting with us, What would he be doing? How does that make you feel? If you believe the words that I say, I want you to repeat them in your mind and in your heart as I say them. It doesn't have to be out loud, but just where you're at in your mind. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When you're ready, you can look up. I don't always like saying the word amen after I pray. The word amen means I agree, or it means we agree. 
But I think sometimes when I use that word amen, what I'm really saying is goodbye. It's like I'm on the phone with God and I'm talking to him and I say amen. It's like saying, see you later. So I don't always like using that word. And so in this moment, I don't want to use that word because I want us to step into what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, to pray without ceasing. We're not closing off this line of communication with God, but we are opening it for the rest of our day. And I believe that now we are in this place where we should and we can intercede for others. We can bring our requests before God. God consistently, and Jesus confirmed this so many times, he says, pray anything in my name and it will be given to you. See, when we allow God to transform our heart, and the scriptures say that God will give you the desires of your heart, I believe our hearts and God's heart can be aligned. And that's when we're ready to step into praying for ourselves, praying for others, praying for our world. And so what we're going to do is, during this last song, we have some candles up front and some candles in the back. And if you want to say a prayer for yourself, or you want to say a prayer for someone that's popping into your head right now, or you turn on the news and you just become so anxious about the world that we live in, and you're just saying, God, we need your kingdom to come in my life, in your life, and in the world. And if that's the way that your heart is feeling right now in this moment, during the last song, would you just get up and come to the front uh, and light a candle? And I think I lost my lighters for up front here, so if we can get those back, that'd be great. Or maybe someone could come up and light them. Awesome. There it is. Well, hey, would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. We're going to respond together. And what I want us to do is I don't want us to pass out, pass up this moment because I believe that you're in this room and God cares so much about your heart. He cares so much about your head. Right? But the reality is, is how do we know what we're supposed to pray for? Right? What are the right prayers? hope and my prayer is that now in this moment your hearts are aligned with God and that you know exactly what God needs to step into. You know exactly where you need him to come through because if he doesn't, you don't know who will. Or maybe you're looking at your life, you're looking at your friends, you're looking at your neighbor, you're looking at your family and you're like, God, if you don't step in, if something doesn't happen, I don't know what's going to happen. And so, for this last song that we're going to sing together, I invite you forward so that we can pray together.